listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Well, here we are, entering the season of Advent. For these four Sundays, we will be slowly working our way to Christmas which is symbolized by lighting the candles on the Advent wreath. What this means is that at least while we're gathered here in worship, we're going to be enacting a little bit of resistance against the way in which the wider society tends to think about Christmas. The halls and the malls are all decked out with glittering trees, garlands, and decorations, but not here, not yet. Turn on the radio, walk into a store, pick up your coffee at Starbucks, and you hear all of this Christmas music, but again, not here, not yet, not until Christmas Eve. And then it will be carols, not Frosty the Snowman. (laughs) Now, it's not that observing Advent kind of carefully and scrupulously means that we're trying to be kind of killjoys or piously grinchy. No, we're actually digging back into the deeper traditions around these seasons of Advent and Christmastide, traditions that long predate the very modern focus on finding the perfect gift, partying with your work colleagues, and hoping that your families will behave somewhat like those in the Norman Rockwell illustrations, that's a very modern thing. Advent, though, Advent begins in relative darkness, that one kind of lonely-looking candle burning behind me on the Advent wreath. It also begins with this gospel text that feels about as far from a baby in a manger as you could possibly imagine. It's all about urgency, wakefulness, and vigilance. And there's overtones of of an impending apocalyptic crisis. If you're thinking of Advent as being primarily a kind of a lead-up or countdown to Christmas, this text will put a real crick in your neck, won't it? But the season isn't primarily about prepping us for December 24th. It's primarily about proclaiming that the coming of Christ as a baby is not the final word which God is uttering into our world. That was the first advent, an extraordinary advent of God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. But God is not yet finished with our world. That's what this season says. God is not content to let us remain in a space still marked by so much brokenness. What we heard read aloud is just one section of a much longer set of teachings Jesus spoke to his disciples in the final days before his arrest and execution. Now they were living in a time of impending crisis, and he knows it. It isn't just the crisis of his impending death. It's a much wider and deeper crisis facing the whole of the nation. The empire is beginning to get impatient. 
with the nation because they are showing some signs of sedition and resistance against Roman rule. They'd been given a really good deal in the eyes of the empire. They could keep their practices. They could keep their temple, their religion. They could keep their identity as Jews so long as they behaved and towed the Roman party line. But not everyone was doing that. And even some of the the leading citizens, the leadership, were beginning to be slightly, shall we say, uncooperative. Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was notorious for the brutality of his violence. Violence that he used to quell any hint of uprising. And his violence was sure to grow worse as the people simmered in discontent. Jesus could see things beginning to unravel. He could read the signs of the times, so to speak. And he knew that the days were going to get darker for all in that nation, whether or not they were members of his own movement, whether or not they were among those who had begun to catch his vision that the kingdom was not to be won by a sword, but was in fact already in their midst, working like yeast hidden in the dough. He'd called them away from the sword to walk a whole other path. He would soon show them, though, what that would look like, what it would be like to walk that other path. He'd show them in his own death on the cross. But he would also show them the extraordinary and unexpected power of this new way through his resurrection. He wanted them to know, he needed them to know that it was yet to be costly. For the swords of the empire were beginning to rattle and the nation itself, God's chosen, was beginning to splinter and even turn in on itself. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father, he says. He can read the signs of the times, but he can't tell the future. He can't kind of chart it out in a flow chart. So be ready, he tells them. Be awake, be alert. Don't let yourself be lulled into thinking there's nothing to really worry about. Make sure your life is in order. Make sure that you're heeding the call, ready to move all the time. And then to really press his point, he offers those lines, those two lines, about how two will be in a field, one will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken, one will be left. Now I realize that that's very often read or heard in a very particular way, as in the whole Left Behind series. But it's also notable that many biblical scholars, including N.T. Wright, understand this to suggest that the ones taken are actually those arrested, those dragged away, that Jesus here might be talking still about persecution. And the truth is that such things did happen. The empire did finally lose all patience, and people were dragged off to be executed. 
In the end, the temple itself was flattened. The once great city of Jerusalem lay desolate. The warning, says N.T. Wright, the warning was primarily directed to the situation of dire emergency in the first century. After Jesus' death and resurrection and before his words about the temple came true. Now that's a very concrete context for this teaching tonight, isn't it? But, Bishop Wright continues, but the words ring through subsequent centuries and into our own day. We too live in turbulent and dangerous times. Who knows what will happen next week, next year? It's up to each church and each individual Christian to answer the question, are you ready? Are you awake? But ready and awake for what? Well, take Jesus at his word here. For the coming of the Son of Man, for his return, for the final advent, for the culmination of all of time and all of history, Because again, the core message of this season is that God is not yet finished with us and our broken world. There is yet a final chapter, and God longs for restoration and new creation in this world. But Jesus' teaching here sounds so fierce, so dire, doesn't it? You shift into this Advent one space and maybe begin to wonder what there is to hope for which is why we also read from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, too, was speaking into a setting of dire emergency and deep, deep crisis. And I believe that he would have been completely on side with Jesus' call for wakefulness and readiness. Yet what the prophet could begin to see, what he could begin to sing to his besieged people was really quite remarkable. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of mountains and shall be raised above the hills and all the nations shall stream to it. Now again, Isaiah is writing in a time of great political instability where they know how strong the other nations are and how fragile Israel is. And yet, he says, in days to come, and all nations, it's a wildly generous vision that says that God's choosing of Israel did not equate to God's judging or rejecting of others. In fact, God's choosing of Israel was for the sake of all the nations. And then just a little further into this text come those words we all need to hear. Maybe now, in our time, more than ever before, we need these words. God shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. 
swords into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks? Is it even possible to hold dreams like that in a world where we know too much about nuclear weapons, fighter jets, military drones, and concealed handguns? Well, I think to that question, the prophet would say, yes, yes, it is possible, maybe even necessary, to hold that hope against the darkness. If you're going to keep your sanity, you have to have deep hope. You must walk now in the light of the Lord, he'd say, especially now. To which Jesus might add, so wake up, be alert, know the cost of following such a vision, and trust that indeed God is not yet finished speaking into this world, into our lives, all of our lives. That's where the season of Advent begins in a posture of recognizing the darkness and proclaiming the light. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.